Welcome to another Grief Talk Coffee Chat episode. I'm your host, Vaughn Solis. Okay, so welcome again to another Grief Talk Coffee Chat episode. Um, Today I wanted to talk a little bit about the dark web and, you know, what your kids may be getting up to. The previous episode... um, with Andrea Davis of Better Screen Time um, was absolutely so impacting and so powerful for parents to um, listen to or watch. Uh, And I'm going to put that link uh, to that episode uh, below for your convenience if you still haven't seen it. But Andrea and I, uh, Andrea was a former educator and she got into um, the better screen time business to help parents develop a tech plan for their children starting from babies right through to uh, late in their teens. And um, I'm not going to go into detail about what we discussed in that episode, but essentially we covered a lot of the harmful effects right from birth uh, to six years old where parents in the last generation for sure have felt very pressured to put a device in the little wiggling hands of their babies to comfort and console. And the effects that, um, you know, researchers of pediatrics and so on are, are now finding uh, from technology, essentially, the biggest one being that starting from babyhood and into childhood, and certainly by by teens, um, our children of today are not able to really regulate their emotions. Um, so it's and, and by regulate, I mean understand um, how to emotionally decompress, get themselves out of a fearful situation or any anything that feels threatening to them, understanding emotionally and, and even mentally that, oh, you know, through the comfort of mom, dad, or another parent, guardian, that, oh, okay, that was really scary, but I got myself out of it, or this didn't actually happen to me, um, you know, or I can figure things out, or, you know, whatever that situation is. With the technology, apps, platforms, and whatever else is going on out there in the dark web, that our kids do find the back door into it, even when as parents, we think that they don't, uh, the effects and the impact of that can be, if not at best damaging, um, actually life-threatening or life-ending. And there are, uh, uh, there is, I should say, a lot of evidence of, um, you know, coercion, sexploitation, um, cyberbullying, hate, um, and um, packs for suicide, uh, other things going on on the internet. And that's not even the dark web. So... One of the reasons I'm doing this show post my interview with Andrea is because we did not have time and nor was it the uh, episode to explain my personal experience, 
but I wanted to let people know that nobody is immune from being uh, impacted and affected um, sometimes and often actually with tragic uh, outcomes. No one is immune to their child at any age really uh, succumbing to the dark um, or I should say the negative um, horrifying, shocking, um, you know, goings on of of the dark web. How they how the kids get into the into the back door of the internet, I don't know. I have seen newspaper journalists go on a mission to understand a suicide pact in a uh, Scandinavian country, uh, you know, three years ago, which led to the death of a number of young teenage girls, 13, 14 years old. It happens in the States. It happens in Canada. It happens in the UK. It happens in Europe. It happens all over the world. And I've got some stats here that, you know, I'm going to put up uh, uh, for um, folks able to view this. Um, But essentially, when we're looking at, in the States, suicide being the third uh, leading cause of death for youth to um, age 24, that's going to um, be, uh, I'm, I'm assuming, um, include children, teenage, and, and, you know, youth up to age 24. And it is still a leading cause of death um, around the world. Um, we have a problem and depending on what country you're in, there is a, you know, for every one suicide, 20 to 27 others are attempting it. So just sticking to the U.S. and that suicide is the 12th leading cause of death and there is a suicide every 11 and a half minutes and there is an attempt every 27 and a half seconds. This is just in the United States. Um, I'm in Canada. Our rates are similar, you you know, as adjusted. Um, I'm pretty sure the rates around the world are are pretty similar. I, I know in the in the WHO, um, the World Health Organization stats, they have that suicide is the fourth leading cause of death worldwide between 15 between 15 and 19 year olds. So I mean, when we're looking at these stat- statistics um, and looking at the fact that suicide is an epidemic in most countries around the world, um, what we're you know what we're what we're really not understanding is is um, number one, as I said, how kids, how young people um, are getting into the back door into the dark web, and. Um, what it is about our our cultures, our our socio, uh, our, our our sociology, that um, there is you know even to this even now you know coercion to um, you know entice people uh, to uh, and and cheer people on to end their lives and not only just end their lives but but videotape it like well tape it video it so while I don't mean this to be a horrible. Uh, podcast episode. I do just want to speak to these facts 
uh, as a bereaved mom of a 22-year-old daughter who died by suicide in 2005 and who had accessed the dark web. And what's really important for us parents um, to talk about, I've also got an an episode I'll be airing shortly on bullying and suicide um, with a friend of mine who is in the alopecia world. And so she, she sort of comes from the bullying side of it. I come from the suicide side of it. And we talk about, you know, what can we do as parents, as a society, culturally, and that's a pretty um, in, enlightening, um, well, robust conversation, I guess I should say. But um, as a parent, all I can do is go back and have, I have spent a number of years going back and I don't obsess about my actions any longer, but I did for a number of years about going back and really not understanding what my daughter Jenea was into at the time. So if you go back to 2005, we are, are talking and, and, and prior to that, so 2004, possibly even 2003. So we're coming up 20 years now, 18, 20 years So we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have um, apps such as uh, Instagram, WeChat, Snapchat, um, you know, um, all of these like Twitter, um, Facebook, YouTube, we didn't have any of these things. What they did have was chat, where you'd go on and, and, you know, you'd type a message and whoever you were chatting with would type a message back. And um, we... I think that's about all we had back then was was like chat. We didn't have iPhones yet. And so there wasn't this immediacy of um, connection through some type of an app. And, um, and, oh, we had boards. That's the other thing I wanted to say. So we have boards. And so I didn't think much of it because I actually didn't know how harmful even back then, uh, almost two decades ago, Uh, the internet could actually really be. But after my uh, daughter died, the police absconded with her two computers. And I actually didn't even know why they took them. I was like, why are they taking the computers? And I imagine they'd still do that today, confiscate um, devices when there's suicide and so on. Um, And uh, it was about two months later, they they brought the computers back and didn't really say anything but did confirm that she had accessed um, some of the dark web and more specifically um, at least uh, two suicide boards. And um, they wiped that clean. Obviously, they did not want um, us finding, as parents, finding where she had been, what she had said, and so on. And, and Lord only knows what those messages would have been. But anyway, right after that, I was able to gain access to yet another suicide board as an observer and somebody that um, had some tech-savvy skills back then got me in and I never registered for it. I was able just to um, read what people were doing, what the site was about and so on. Ultimately, with its thousands of members, including, uh, including... um, a young teen, you were technically supposed to be 18 years old to um, be on that site, but younger people were on it. And essentially, the purpose of the site was uh, for, um, and this is again, we're going back a couple of decades, I have no idea how much more impacting and uh, coercive and 
enticing uh, it is today, the language, uh, the type of content being posted, uh, and so on shared. But back then, it was done through chat only, so just just messaging, no images or anything like that. It wasn't not text messaging, typing. And essentially, it was about encouragement. So you could go to this site and you could talk about your suicidal thoughts and, and, you know, how depressed you were and that you wanted to kill yourself. Like, I want to die. And the, and that's, I think that's good that people talk about when they're having mental uh, health issues and, um, and who of us doesn't have that, like suffer with some depression, sometimes anxiety, worry, concerns, you know, and we don't want to be here. I mean, this is a normal human condition to struggle against the existence. But the difference is for someone who really means it, it's, it's really knowing who that person is or when one of your loved ones turns into that person which is about 8 to 10% of, um, of suicide attempts or people talking about suicide. The average rate is about 8 to 10% of um, those who threaten suicide or of actual um, people with uh, suicide ideation, even, even maybe attempts, 8 to 10% actually do die. So knowing when to take something serious, number one, as parents... We don't even know our kids are having these kinds of conversations, but we do know from, as I said earlier, newspaper uh, uh, journalists um, researching and and you know putting stories together, documents. You can go to YouTube, and all there's not there's not a lot of stuff there. I have found a, you know two or three stories shared on YouTube about the suicides of young people. And um, in looking back, you go, oh, yeah, the signs were all there, same in our case. But it's, it's when you're, you don't know what you're looking for that um, is, is uh, and even if you do know what you're looking for, there's still no guarantee. You still don't really know what you're looking for. You don't know what you're, what, what's going through, uh, you know, your child's mind at any age. So um, I guess what I'm really just trying to say in this, in this episode is that the dark web exists, and even without the dark web, where I, you know what, like I said, I just don't even know um, what all they're accessing. Twenty years ago, they were. You want to die, and you want you want this method. You're told exactly how to do it. I'm not going to go into detail, but there's somebody there um, who will tell you exactly what you need to basically end your life in a specific way that you are thinking about it there will be somebody telling you exactly how to do it, if not, and probably encouraging you. When I was watching all of this, and, and you know, as a, as a newly bereaved mother and obsessed with, uh, like, a lot of things that were dark at the time, uh, this being one of them, I was also looking to see traces of my daughter possibly being there. And I stayed sort of watching that site. And obviously, people were anonymous and um, so, you know, had handles, so you would have no idea who they really were, where they, where they were, where they lived, where they were coming from. Um, and the only way you would really know that is if they said, like, their age, for example, or they spoke about their, oh, well, I really want to end my life today, but my, my mom and dad are coming home in, you know, two hours, and I, I don't know if I'll have enough time, things like that. Uh, so you, you kind of figure out if you're talking to... Uh, or, or sorry, not talking to, if you're reading, you know, something posted by uh, an older, even professional adult or, 
or a young a young person, in which case they were still being encouraged, I would say, not not um, anything um, anti-suicide or suicide prevention where it's, please just go talk to your parents. How can we help you? What are you feeling? What are you struggling with? You know, it was really all about the suicide boards were all about promoting and supporting those who wanted to end their life. So knowing this for as long as I have, since 2005, that these boards exist, um, and having the uh, type of harmful content uh, be exposed through media and parents' stories um, in modern day, today, um, we understand and we know and everybody understands that the web can be a really dangerous place. And um, when you think that the worst can't happen to you, I want to let you know that it can. It absolutely can. And it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how beautiful your home is. It doesn't matter that, you know, that your child has the best support that, that you feel you can give uh, that child. Uh, it doesn't matter how many extracurricular activities they're, they're in. It doesn't matter how many A's they get. It doesn't matter how popular they may be. Uh, recent suicides of, of top young female athletes in the United States, boom, 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 uh, shows that none of that matters. And um, when, as parents, we're going off to work and we may or may not be meeting up at the dinner table and eating together because life, uh, life practices are such that they're so busy and I'm pretty sure that hasn't changed since I was raising my children 30 to 40 years ago. And, you know, and this, this activity after school for this one and that activity for that one and running around and working full time and sometimes maybe trying to manage aging uh, parents or other responsibilities. And, you know, maybe there might be relationship tensions that you have to deal with and all of that just to say it can become easy to very quickly and without even really knowing it to lose your grip on the family and on what your kids are doing. I don't expect this episode actually to get a whole lot of, of uh, views or listens, just because it's a topic that we really don't want to talk about. And most people think that something really bad or something really tragic that happened to, you know, the person across the street or down the road or in your kid's classroom or whatever, or in your kid's school, whatever, you think that it happens to other people, you don't think that it happens to you. And you might be right, maybe it won't happen to you and I hope it doesn't happen to you because obviously um, there are far fewer bereaved parents in the world than, than there are parents who uh, still happily have all of their children. But the rules are the same uh, for everybody, not knowing really how your child is feeling, not knowing what they're struggling with, with um, not knowing what they're accessing on the web. Um, when scientists and medical professionals have found that social devices have become the go-to comfort when a child is in trauma or in hospital or getting a needle or, or whatever, you know, is happening uh, to them that is uh, highly impacting in their life in a negative way. And they're using the social device instead of having the parent uh, comfort them. 
And this is with no disrespect to parents. It's the way, and if you watch the episode with Andrea, she talks about this. This is the way that parents have been conditioned and even pressured to um, make sure they're not losing out by robbing their kids the opportunity of being connected to the net and having the latest device and so on. The effects now able with with science able to look at, a, at 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 nearly a generation nearly a generation so we'll talk um you know up to early 20s at this point um uh, from baby to early 20s where they've had the most impact in having a device in their hands from the youngest of ages they're finding that that we're that we're basically raised raising and have raised a generation of young individuals who, and I'm going to read this because I don't want to get it wrong, have, are, um, they are dependent on devices for comfort, learning, awareness, development, and influence. So I really wanted to say that again. This is the first generation having grown up largely with devices. So to about their early twenties, maybe a little younger, because my son is uh, 30 and there weren't the devices um, when he was a baby. This all came a little bit after and I'm not sure if they started when he was around 10. Um, and he got his first like, I don't know, uh, iPod, I think it was called. But we didn't have the phones. We weren't giving babies the phones and iPads and computers and whatever people or parents are struggling with keeping their child connected to some device because you're just supposed to uh, versus when we had to rely on just, you know, the the same old-fashioned kind of toys that um, they had had in the decades before with the exception of maybe they were making different sounds, okay? Maybe a few more electronic sounds, but we weren't, weren't dealing with the interaction um, and as Andrea talks, it's it's more about the interaction and the touch screen, the touch screen as opposed to just viewing. Even when they view television, it's the interaction of the touch that has really screwed up uh, the brain's regulation and created a generation of young individuals, and we're raising them now as children. Who I repeat turn to their devices for comfort, learning, awareness, development, and influence. So coupled with their ability to access apps and platforms they shouldn't be accessing, and cases of, in recent news reports of sexploitation going on, in addition to exploitation, uh, blackmailing, uh, bullying, hate crimes, um, suicide, coercion, and enticement, uh, we really have a cultural and social problem. And while we're obviously not going to solve it by just a handful of conversations, what they have found to be the most impacting for change is communication, 
play for children, of course, but communication. And I can attest to the fact that even though I had a close relationship with my daughter and we had the conversations, I was terrified to ask her uh, her thoughts on suicide, her thoughts on self-harm, and most specifically whether or not she had been thinking about it or whether or not she was planning to do anything to herself. And for that, I take full responsibility as a parent who was living in fear and um, worried about her because something seemed off, but worried about her and trusting a medical intervention that, you know, it was just growing pains of young adulthood. And I'm not blaming doctors um, and I'm not blaming myself anymore. I just wished I had the awareness And the acceptance that my child, there was so much more to her than I wanted to believe there could be. And at the time, I wasn't even aware of the dark web, didn't even know the term. But today, there's no reason for parents not to know that term. And I just, so this is just actually, in addition to any other voices that are out there talking about this and from parents who have more recently lost their uh, child or teen to um, some kind of interaction they've had in the dark web or in the dark forces on the regular internet, I just want to add my voice to it as well and say, please do not make the same mistake that parents like us have made, where we trusted, we assumed, we stayed silent, we kept the worry inside, we did not check devices, we didn't, you know, have the conversations about, you know, what type of apps are you accessing, has anyone, you know, texted you, bullied you, is anyone bullying you, you know, there's a whole bunch of factors there, but really, most importantly, it's just about really, really being very, very engaged in your child's life, even when you think you're engaged enough. I can't tell you how many parents I have met that once they've learned I've lost a child, for whatever reason, we might be chatting you know, having just one of those one-off conversations or whatever. And they tell me how worried they are about their own child. And while I can't go back, just the same as no parent can go back who has lost their child to suicide, where probably I'm going to wager the majority, if not all of those deaths have been impacted, uh, influenced in some way with use of a device and internet I am saying for parents that are worried, and even if you're not worried, you do have an opportunity to really understand and get involved in what your your child is really up to and have them talk to you about what they think these influences are doing to them. I really don't have like the answers per se. I just have, I I, I just have, um, the voice to tell you that when you can't go back and you wished you could have said all of these things or you wished you could have done more, ask yourself now, today, if you have any amount of worry, what it is you're worried about, what it is you're too afraid to talk to your child about and make yourself go do it. Really, you could save, you could save their life. Anyway, Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Be aware. Stay safe. Keep your kids safe. 
And I will put that link to the episode on better screen time for Tech Family Plans. If you happen to be listening or watching this and have younger children, it's never too late to start getting involved with managing the tech differently and reconnecting and looking at your own family structure just to see where there might be any gaps you're missing in communication, support, listening, and, you know, having a grown-up conversation. That's the other thing I found is I didn't credit my daughter enough with knowing um, everything she really did know. And a lot of this I found out after she passed. And almost all parents, when they've lost their child, they find the same thing. So our kids are very astute. And I believe that they want these conversations. And even if they don't want it with you as mom or dad, then I don't know, maybe finding a buddy for them. Like we need to get these supports in place to um, help each other better in our tough times. I'm not trying to exclude any, any groups at risk of suicide at older ages. I'm really just sort of focusing on the, um, you know, child teen youth ages here, but we all need to comfort and to be aware of each other and to make each other, to help each other feel heard, respected, valued, and, um, you know, cared about. So, well, that's a conversation that politicians in every country need to listen uh, to and why suicide frameworks really are taking so long to finalize and how we support each other in our mental health struggles still seems to be a really big problem. To catch it early is um, like a gift. So thanks again for watching, listening, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.